Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad you're here this morning. I just believe God's going to touch our hearts this morning in a wonderful way. Sometimes just getting out of your house in the morning on an icy day to just, it's just an act of faith sometimes. That's what it is. And when we act out in faith, the just shall live by faith. We're usually met by God because that's how we live. And so I just believe God for something special this morning. I do. And, uh, but I just kind of been thinking about this year and, and what to start the year off with. And oftentimes I do goals and setting goals and, and stuff like that. But one of the things that I like to do personally every New Year is just to make sure that I have my priorities straight. And on the top of our priorities should obviously be God. But sometimes we just need to remember that, to adjust some things for that to be true. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Sorry, 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is anybody in Christ here this morning? He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. We are changed and transformed. Now, I know I've shared my testimony a lot over the years, so I'm going to make it brief because most of you have heard it. But second week of May, 1994, Christ radically came into my life. And throughout my years, I always knew there was a God. I knew Jesus had something to do with it. And I would pray, and, and I just, I mean, I was one of those people out of Romans 1 that I would look at creation, and I would just say, okay, obviously there's a God because this cannot happen by accidents or coincidence. And, you know, the Big Bang Theory, even as maybe a non-Christian growing up, just didn't make sense to me. Uh, I felt like you had to have more faith to believe in that than believe that there was a God that created this. And so I knew that there was a God, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. So in the middle of the night, second week of May, 1994, I had come back from, from the bar and I wasn't in great shape. And, and in the middle of the night, I just had a demonic encounter that scared the tar out of me. And in the morning, I thought, okay, that must have had, the booze must have had something to do with that. So I went to bed again the second night and uh, it was worse. Demonic encounter, things were happening in the room and this time it felt like they were like getting to me. And so I ran out of the room and I was at Cher's place and she was sleeping in the living room. Um, at the time, and her dog was sleeping beside her, and I was being torn at by this demonic force, and I didn't know what to do. It was, it was, it was, I was a pretty tough character back then, but I was feeling pretty wimpy and pretty scared for, my, for more than my life, for my eternity um, at that moment. And I went out, and I tried to wake Cher up and tried to wake her dog up, and they wouldn't even wake up. And then I know many of you have heard this, but it was the moment that changed me. Sherry, out of her sleep, said, why don't you call on the name of the Lord? And I looked at her, and she was still sleeping. And I called on the name of Jesus. And in that moment, the demonic force left and Christ radically came into my life. I was changed. Old things passed away and behold, in that moment, in that millisecond, I guess you can't even put a time on it, in the speed of light, he came in and my life was forever, forever changed. I went from black to white. I went from darkness to light. And it radically, radically, radically changed my life. And lots of things happened. And I know that not everyone has this type of conversion. I know that I've met some people that have had similar type of things and, and um, you know, radically, whether it was not, maybe not that kind of middle of the night demonic thing, but radically had their life changed when they encountered Christ. But I know not everyone has that type of conversion. The Bible says that we all need to be born again and have, have a moment where we realize that God is our, Jesus is our Lord. 
Um, but not a lot of people, or not everyone, I should say, has this type of conversion. And I've often analyzed it over the years as I've met people that have grown up in different ways and come to Christ differently. And I think there's many uh, benefits, but many challenges to coming to Christ this way. You know, I think some of the, um, maybe some of the challenges are is that I didn't have a fresh early start like maybe my boy did, you know, that I was maybe exposed to way too much sin too early and, and got a taste of it too early. So there was that challenge that, that maybe I wouldn't want everybody to have to go through. But I think there's also some benefits to it as well. And the one that I think about it, um, the benefit, was that it's really hard for me to be the victim and not the perpetrator when I think about God. Because I had been in so deep and done things for so long. When Christ came to me in that moment, it was like, woof. It was like, I could not believe that in the middle of my crap, that he was there and loved me and reached in and pulled me out of the crap. There was never a moment where I felt like God should have to do something for me after that. It was just this, this complete situation of, oh man, I was such a sinner. And now he took me. Like, whoa, God, I am so grateful. I am so thankful. I am so thankful that you would take someone like me because I, just a few minutes ago, I certainly did not deserve it. And so I have a tough time relating with some people because I've always had, it doesn't mean I've always walked great since I got saved, but it's been easy for me to have this sense of gratitude that he saved someone like me and this sense of awe of God. That, whoa, I like, I experienced the dark side and then I experienced God in like this moment. And it was like, I was so scared of the darkness, but when the light showed up, it was like, there was no comparison. It was like, I knew who had this thing in the palm of his hand. I knew who controlled the universe. I knew. And he still loved me and belonged. And I belonged to him. But from that moment, I've always had this awe of God and his might and his power. It was, like, it was like Peter, right, when he was on the boat, and Jesus says, you know, push out. They'd push out and go fishing. And Peter says, listen, we've toiled all night. We've toiled all night. We fished all night. We know how to be fishermen, Jesus. Like, we do it at night. This is how it happens. And Jesus says, no, push out and cast your net out on the other side. And so Peter said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. And he pushed out. And wham! After they had toiled all night, wham, the presence of Jesus brought this multitude of fish in that the Bible says almost sank the boat, almost broke their nets, and they had to get in other partners to come and help them get to shore because of the amount that hit them. But Peter's reaction is what I often feel like. He hit his knees and was like, whoa, depart from me, Lord. I am a sinful, sinful man. Now, we know the Lord never wants us to stay there. He's like, hey, get up. Do not fear. You belong to me. But there was this sense of awe, and there's this sense of, like, I can't relate in some ways of, of, of trying to justify certain things because I've kind of encountered the reality of God. You know, it's like those road to Damascus for Paul. I mean, here Peter's on one side. He's just a fisherman. He's tough. He's living life like a tough dude, like, a, like you'd see out in the world. And he falls at his knees. And then on the opposite side of things, you see a Paul who's been trying to learn about God his entire life, thinking he's all that, walking perfectly, but still has one of these encounters on the road to Damascus. Wham! This bright, bright line shines and he's, he's on the ground and he has this encounter with God. He's like, Lord, Lord, 
Lord, Lord, and Jesus is like, why are you persecuting me? Do you not know it's hard to kick against the goats? Do you not know that it's hard to go against the will of God? And Paul says, Lord, Lord, who are they? And he says, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. And that moment's wild to me because it's like, could you imagine Paul? He thought he was serving God his entire life and wow, he gets knocked to the ground. And he's like, Lord, Lord, who you are you? And he's like, Jesus. And Paul's like, ooh, crap. I was just trying to kill Jesus freaks. And now you're Lord? And as a matter of fact, I was on my way to, to pull people out of their houses who belong to you. And it's this encounter with God, this reality of God that put Paul on his path. And so talking about New Year and stuff and making God first in our lives, I wanted to discuss like our reaction or specifically my reaction to salvation. My conversion was so radical that that quickly I left my friend group. I never saw them for years. And it wasn't that I shouldn't have witnessed Christ to them and all that. I was just in too deep. And I knew that if I didn't get out, I might never get out. And I left my friend group in like a moment's notice. I quit smoking, chewing snuff, just, just like that. Just like that. Pulled out of my friend group. I remember I had an earring in my ear and it just went, what? I want to stop because people are going to go, you can't wear earrings. I got nothing against earrings. I got nothing against all that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I was so radically changed that I wanted to pull everything out of my life so I could be a fresh slate before God and say, listen, God, before I add anything back to me, you add it back to me. You add it back to me. And like I said, all that stuff, I'm, I'm not, it's, it's not good or bad. It was just, I knew that I was a rebellious, rebellious soul in this world. And I just wanted to fall and be that clean slate and say, okay, God, if I'm going to put anything back on me, it's going to be with your help. But that's how radically my life was changed. And that was the reason that I just wanted a fresh slate and I wanted to be able to follow God. Because why? I had encountered God. When I got saved, the Bible says that we just read. What did, what did it just say there? Let's look at that again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I'm like, ah, they're pulling on me and calling the name of the Lord. And I'm like, Jesus, woof. I'm catapulted into Christ and Christ into me. Just like that. And when that happens, if anyone is in Christ, what is it? He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. I was new. I was new. I was new. And if we're new, it doesn't mean we're all going to look new, but something ought to change. And for me, it did. And again, we're... I spent, I spent years on struggles and grace. So don't think I'm headed somewhere else. I just want to make a point this morning. Matthew 16, 24 to 27 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What's that talking about? Priority. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his works. Now, back up to the first part is my main point here. The first part of that. 
If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And that's, to me, is just the simplicity of the gospel. It just really is. It is that the gospel walking on this earth is putting down my own desires and walking for the desires of God. Now, hopefully with that new creation that has come in me, not hopefully, it has happened, that my heart wants that as well. And so, yes, we have to learn to listen to our hearts. And yes, you know, our hearts can get, can get a little covered up sometimes and, and our flesh can get really loud sometimes and it can really want to pull on. But anybody who's come to Christ knows that on the inside of them, they have been changed and they're no longer their old self, that old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new, that we are a new creature in Christ Jesus, that what? That belongs to him, that follows God. And so as a New Year's resolution, that one needs to be at the top of my chart is like, okay, before I set any of my own goals, you know, before I put something back on or something back on or put some clothing back on or put some snuff, but whatever, you know what I mean, right? Before I do goal two, three, and four, I need to make sure that God is here, that I've laid down my own desire for his. And that is the simplicity of the gospel to me. That's what a, that's what a disciple is. We can belong to him, but a disciple is one that follows God, that says, listen, I am choosing your will and your ways and your desires for me over my own fleshly desires. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says it this way, for you were bought at a price. You know, sometimes we go through life and we're like, oh, this God thing once in a while. I mean, I don't do that very often because I've just learned too many times that you walk without God. It's like I'd rather walk through my crap with God than try to avoid him while I'm going through because it just, it's, it's just doesn't work out that way. But at the end of the day, I was bought by God through Christ. I was bought Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which is God. It's no longer ours. It's no longer ours. And I think, you know, that's the, I mean, that's at, at, at enmity with, with the world. I mean, that's what the world does. The world is like, listen, I want my own way. I'm feeling this way. I want to do this things. My own way, my own desires, my own this, my own that. But it's 100 percent opposite. It is 180 degrees from what the gospel is. The gospel is, no, I, just, I, I, I lay all of that down. Why? Because I'm bought. And if I put myself way back in that day again, when Christ came into my life and whoa, I remember all that moment. I wouldn't trade that for anything. I don't care what he would have asked me in that moment. I would not have traded that moment for anything. Seeing the awesomeness of, and the awe of God and the creator of the universe, boom, coming into my life like that. I wouldn't trade that for anything. I don't care how bad my flesh wants something in this life. And I'm not saying I won't stumble with it. But I, put it this way. I will never tell you that I, would, I deserve or would rather that than the will of God. I may tell you, listen, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this, but I still want the will of God. Pray for me. There's a difference. My heart's different. I'm changed. I'm born again, and I'm bought. My life is no longer my own. It doesn't belong to me. 
And we've talked a lot the last couple of weeks and, and stuff, just my family and Jonathan and coming into the new year. And it's just like, to me, the gospel is just so simple. It is like, we deny ourselves. We sacrifice certain things in, these life, in this life to follow Christ. Why? Because eternity is such a long stretch of time. It's, that's, that's an incorrect statement. It doesn't even have time. It is forever when we go over there. And this little slice is nothing. And if we spend our entire lives trying to get what we want in this little slice to have to walk into eternity with that, I don't want to just pass through the judgment and, and, and whew, 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 made it. I mean, I'll probably feel that way anyway. So I was like, yeah, whew, you know, but, but I want to hear well done. And I know it's not going to be every day, every second of every day. It's not going to be every month. I just, I just want my life to have, to have, in the majority of it, to have laid down myself for the cause of Christ. Why? I'm not me anymore. I, I, I've been bought. I, the old things have passed away. That was me. Now I'm his. I'm his. I'm a child of God. I belong to him. I want to be a disciple of Christ. And do I do it every day? Perfectly? No, I, I don't. I don't. And as I've grown, I've grown in freedom too. Like there's lots of things that, you know, over the years that I was religious about that I didn't think I could do that I feel like the Lord has given me freedom in as I've, as I've walked it out and his grace is so wonderful. But the journey has always been for me about God, what do you want in my life? What is the hope of your calling that we looked at last week? It's not our calling. It's not even our calling. It's his calling in us. Bought, paid for. Not our own. Luke 9, 57, 62. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Just stop there for a sec. Now again, we read this so one-dimensionally sometimes. It's like, okay, Jesus is saying here you can't have anything and you can't have money and all this kind of stuff. The funny thing is, it's just a couple of sentences later, he goes and he lays down at the house of John, his house. He goes, no place to lay his head. A few, few sentences later, he's laying his head. So he's making a statement here. He's, he's showing the totality of the picture. So he says, the foxes of holes and the birds of the air have a nest, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. Now here, this sounds really harsh. Now, if Jesus said that to us and, you, and your dad was about to pass a few days from now, I would still have to follow Jesus if he said that to me. This isn't really what he's saying. Most theologians will say that there's no mention of even the dad being sick. It was just his duty to bury his dad. It could have been years and years and years and years from now when his dad finally passed away. And so what Jesus was saying was, listen here. If you're going to say, follow me, it's not about when you pass and the judgment comes. It's like, if you want to follow me, you follow me now. 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 And the amazing thing about Jesus is often when you like sacrifice everything for Christ, first of all, that's the only satisfaction we can ever have, but you should see how much he adds back and how quickly he adds it back. He just wants the priority right. Just like he wants us to strip us down to a clean slate and then add back to us. But he loves to add back to us. The Bible says if God gives his son, how much more would he freely give us all good things? He just wants to be the one in charge. <laughs> so he said, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell. 
who were at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so all Jesus is saying in this statement, and, and he talks to different people at different times differently, but the totality of the statement, it didn't mean that everybody had to go buy a plow. All he was saying was, listen, I created this universe. I am God on the earth. If you believe that, lay it down for me. Follow me. Follow me. Let me be your master, and let me add everything back to you. That one right there might have said, Okay, I'm following you wherever you go. And he might have said, great, now go back and bury your dad. Just had to be the right priority, right? It was like with the rich young ruler, right? The rich young ruler shows up and says, what, what does it take to enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, da, 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 says all these things. He says, I've done all that from my youth. And Jesus says, you've done, you've, you've missed one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And the rich young ruler went away very sorrowful. And so most people think in that scripture, well, you can't have anything. You can't have any money. No, read the next paragraph, the next set of verses. Jesus says, very, very, I say unto you, after he says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God and all that, but he's, and then they say, well, then who can be saved? Because they're like thinking nobody can be saved then. And he says to them, earlier I tell you, that anyone who lays down their life, anything, houses, money, anything, anything for the kingdom of God, shall receive a hundredfold, not just when you get to heaven. He says you'll receive a hundredfold now in this life and in the age to come, eternity. And so it's not about not being able to have anything. It's about coming to Jesus with nothing because he has everything. As we walk into the new year, that's what it's got to be about. It's got to be about Jesus. Take my life into this 2022. Take my life into 2022. I'm not my own. I'm bought. I'm paid for it. God, I'm putting my hand to the plow. Teach me to be a good plower. So, I preached years of grace. This doesn't have to be a downer. This needs to be an upper this morning. It's quite all right. Because there's nothing like following Christ. So I've been spending a lot of time in prayer with the Lord lately, just kind of discussing the future, the next season of my life, and, and some of the things, and 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 what's going on around me and some of the things that are, I'm encountering and I'm just like, Lord, like, how does this change? How, how, how does this change? How do people get a right thinking about your word? How do people get on fire for Christ? How do people like, how can they be thinking like this? And I think it just comes down to a couple things that I want to encounter for my life in this year. And the first one is just the reality of Christ and his word again. That it is just the foundation of everything. The Bible says everything is upheld by the word of his power. The moment his word, like everything, this whole universe is held together by the word of his power. And it would just bah, disintegrate if he pulled back that word. And so for us to tell him how things should be, we can't. We can't. I had a drive with Peter Thayne this week, and it was awesome. He was talking about he's reading George Whitfield's biography again. And, and I said, you know, I've never read that. What was the climate like back in the 1700s that Whitfield was like tearing it up and preaching on fire and brimstone? What was, the, what was the morality like? And he was like worse than now or like now or worse. So it's not like, hey, it's like 2000s now, 2022. Let's just, 
God is God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, we might have to bring the message a little bit differently. We might have to approach things a little bit differently, but God is still God, and he still expects people to lay down their lives, to pick up their cross, and to follow him. Why? Because he is the creator of the universe and the creator of us. Nothing was made without him. And so he is the designer. And so for the designed to tell the designer how they're going to live is backwards. And we're going to end up, then you end up in a Job situation where God shows up. We got to sing that song one day. There's a song that I've been listening to. It's just really wordy. We got to get her done though, but it talks about God just showing up like in Job. He's like, where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? Where were you when I slung the stars into the heaven? Where were you when I told the oceans they could only go so far? Where were you? And it's that moment again where, where Job is just in awe of God who steps off the throne and says, Hey, I'm God. I'm God. And some people are scared of that. I'm not because I've, I've had it happen a few times in my life. So Lord, I say, bring it on. Show me how big you are again. Let us stand in awe of your presence and your power and your might. Let us have an awakening on the inside of us of the awesomeness of God and the wonders of God. Which leads me to my second thing, the reality of Christ and his word and that everything is upheld by him. And then secondly, the reality of his presence. The reality of his presence. He says that he never leaves us and never forsakes us. He says, whether you're in the heavens or in the bowels of hell, I will never leave you. I am always there. He is always with us, always, always with us. The Bible says that he's made his abode on the inside of us, that our bodies, which we're going to get into next week, are the temples of the Holy Ghost. That he actually lives. We are bought. He bought the house and moved in. Everywhere we go, he goes. And I think we, we, I know I do. I start to lose that fact and that reality. That Everywhere I go. The presence of Almighty God is. Everywhere we go, the presence of God is. You realize as I'm walking around right now, God's presence is here. You know, angels are marching behind me right now. The Bible says that not only are we, our feet are on the ground, but we are also at the exact same moment seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Just a couple things going on here. One we can see and one we don't. But we are children of faith. And we need to quit relying on, I do at least, need to quit relying so much on what I'm seeing with my eyes and hearing with my ears and scrolling with my thumb and encountering in this world. I'm putting too much faith in that. When at the same time, I'm seated in heavenly places at the right hand of my Father, high above all powers, principalities, might, dominion, every name that is named not only in this age, but in the age to come. Seated, heavenly places. Father, show us. God, may we walk in more power and might and wisdom. God, may our next season be filled with you. May our next season be filled with revelation of who you are in our lives and who you are on this earth. Open our eyes so that we can see and open our ears, that we can hear. I ask that for all of us in this place.
in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just for a moment, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. I want us to just take 30 seconds without anybody saying anything. And I just want to just meditate the presence, the power, the word, the might, the awesomeness of God. For 30 seconds, let's just be still and know that he is God.